0: Chapter Twenty Two of A Lad of Metal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ryan Jacob. A Lad of Metal by Nat Gould. Time Flies. The hands at Yander marveled greatly at the tale Edgar told of their adventures, and they marveled still more when the treasure they brought with them was shown. And to think that black fellow knew all about it, and kept the secret so long, said Ben Brody. I can hardly believe it is true. You must have travelled thousands of miles. All I can say is you deserve what you've got. After staying a few weeks at Yander, where he received letters from home, and from Wal Jessup, Edgar decided to go to Sydney and see Ava again. Will Brown remained at Yander in order to gain more experience of station life. When Edgar arrived in Sydney, he at once went to Watson's Bay while jessop did not know edgar had left yander ava had constantly inquired for edgar during his absence and been comforted by the assurance he would return to her edgar walked up the steep path to the cottage intending to give the inmates a surprise but ava who was looking out of the window recognized him and gave a joyful cry that brought mrs jessop to her together they rushed out to greet edgar and he soon had little ava crowing delightedly in his arms mrs jessop looking on her motherly face beaming With satisfaction, how you have grown, Ava," said Edgar, holding her up in his arms to have a better look at her. "You have had a good home, and Mrs. Jessop has taken great care of you." Ava began to prattle in a pretty childish way and asked Edgar numerous questions, some of which he found a difficulty in answering. When Wal Jessop returned home and found Edgar installed in the cottage, he was delighted. He had been longing to see him again and to hear all about his adventures. These Edgar had to relate over and over again, and little Ava, too, was interested in hearing about Yakka and the blacks and the white spirit in the wonderful cave. When she saw the precious stones and gold Edgar brought with him, she clapped her hands with joy and wanted to play with all the pretty things. "'You'll not be short of money for a time, with such rubies as these to sell,' said Wal-Jessop, as he took some of the stones in his hand. "'They are the finest I ever saw. You'll get more for them in London than you will here.' "'I shall keep the bulk of them,' said Edgar. "'But we must dispose of some of them, Wall, in order to keep things going. "'Captain Fife will be able to do that for you,' said Wall. "'He knows the best market for such things. "'What a wonderful chap that black must be. "'There are not many like him here.' "'You will see him before long,' said Edgar. "'He has promised to come to Sydney when his wound is quite healed. "'A knife thrust like that will take some time to get well,' said Wall. "'I wonder if he will ever take you back again to find more of the treasure.' i shall not go said edgar but i have no doubt there will be search made for it even if Yaka declines to lead the way the evening of edgar's arrival at the cottage he had a walk on the cliffs with wal jessup and again looked down upon the terrible rocks where the distant shore was dashed to pieces and himself and ava were so miraculously saved as he looked into the depths below the scene came vividly to mind again and he could not resist grasping wal jessup by the hand while the tears stood in his eyes while jessop knew what he meant better than if he had spoken and returned the pressure of his hand they walked back to the cottage and once more talked over the scenes of that awful night when edgar saw captain fife that gentleman received him cordially and promised to dispose of some of the rubies to the best advantage they are wonderfully good stones, said captain fife and there will be no difficulty in obtaining a stiff price for them by the way what are you going to do with yourself now are you returning to the station would you prefer to remain in sydney if i can obtain a suitable billet said edgar i should like to remain here captain fife had been on the lookout for a private secretary for some time and he offered edgar the post which he willingly accepted thinking himself fortunate as indeed he was to gain such a position time flies quickly and when edgar foster had been private secretary to captain fife for over two years he had become quite at home in sydney and was recognized as one of the best of good fellows Edgar was fond of sports of all kinds, and he liked fun as well as any young fellow of his age, but he shunned the far sets in the city, and one of his constant companions was Wal Jessop. Two or three times a week he went to Wal's cottage to see Ava, who was rapidly growing into a very pretty girl. He heard regularly from home, and also had news from Yander, for Will Brown was still there. Yaka had tried Sydney life, but quickly tired of it, and returned to the west. Two or three expeditions had been fitted out to try and find the Cave of Enuma, as it was called, for the adventures of Edgar Foster and Will Brown had related in the Sydney Mail, naturally there was a desire to obtain the wealth stated to be there. These expeditions had, however, been failures, and nothing came of them. Yakka refused to lead anyone into the Enuma country, and Edgar and Will, when approached upon the subject, expressed their inability to do so. When the second expedition failed in its object, people said the discovery was a myth but others knew better, and Edgar only smiled when he heard disparaging remarks made. Although Edgar stuck well to his work during the time he had been with Captain Fife, he found ample opportunity to indulge in his favourite pastime, cricket, and much to his delight, had been selected captain of the South Sydney team. In this capacity, he not only proved himself a good all-round cricketer, but a splendid leader, and no one, it was generally acknowledged, placed his men to more advantage in the field. He was selected to play for New South Wales against Victoria, but like many a good cricketer before him he failed at his first attempt there was however no doubt about his ability and now stood an excellent chance of being selected as one of the next australian eleven this is the height of every cricketer's ambition in the colonies and edgar felt anxious as to whether his performances during the season would warrant the selection committee including him in the team so far he had done fairly well there remained one intercolonial match to play against south australia and Edgar knew upon this match would depend the final decision as to his being a member of the Australian Eleven. He had practiced steadily and felt confident, and was encouraged by Wal Jessop and Captain Fife. Will Brown wrote from Yander, saying they were coming down in force to see him play, and Ben Brodie added a postscript to the effect that the honour of the Yander boys was in Edgar's hands. When the eventful day arrived, Edgar's feelings can be imagined. The match took place on the Association ground at Sydney and the South Australians placed a formidable team on the field. Several men on either side were on their best medal and playing for a place in the Australian Eleven. Ben Brodie appeared on the ground resplendent in a new cabbage tree hat, which he had bought in honour of the occasion. He was as anxious as anyone to see Edgar successful. Will Brown vowed if Edgar Foster went home with the team, he should go by the same boat. Will Henton, Harry Noak and Jim Lee all came up from yander for the match and consequently there was a family party on the ground. In Waljasset Ben Brodie found a man after his own heart, and they got on well together. Edgar felt encouraged by their presence to do his best, and something seemed to tell him he would succeed. The New South Wales captain won the toss and elected to bat. This gave Edgar a chance to sit and chat with his friends. He hardly knew how popular he had become in Sydney, owing to his numerous adventures and his sterling character, until he saw the number of people who were only too proud to recognise him. "'You must be a favourite with the ladies,' said Ben Brodie. "'All the pretty girls are smiling at you, lucky dog.' It was true Edgar knew several nice girls, but he had not yet found one he preferred to any of the others. He thought there was time enough for that in another five or six years. The home team commenced badly and lost two wickets for thirty runs. At the fall of the fourth wicket Edgar Foster went in, and his appearance on the ground from the pavilion was the signal for a loud outburst of applause.' As he walked to the crease, Edgar vowed he would do his utmost to merit this reception. He was cool and collected, and had seldom felt so confident. He commenced well by making a couple of boundary hits in his first over. His partner, Frank Hydale, was well set, and the pair looked like making a big stand. Edgar roused the spectators by hitting a ball into the pavilion, and Hydale had completely mastered the bowling. Runs came rapidly, and the South Australian captain seemed puzzled to know how to affect a separation. Although Hydale had been batting some time before Edgar came in, the latter was first to reach the coveted 50. When this number of runs appeared to Edgar's name on the scoring board, Ben Brody, to use his own expression, broke loose. He cheered in the most frantic manner and waved his huge hat in delight. The New South Wales 11 were at the wickets all day, and when stumps were drawn, Edgar Foster was, not out, 109. He was congratulated on all sides, and Captain Fife said, as he shook hands with him, your place in the team is assured. I shall cable to your father as soon as the selection is made. He will be mighty proud of his son. On the renewal of the match next day, Edgar added another 50 to his score and was clean bowled after making 159 a magnificent innings. The match ended in a win for the home colony by 200 runs. In the second inning, Edgar Foster placed 56 to his credit. He also bowled well during the match and came out with a very good average consequently it was no surprise when he found his name amongst the favoured thirteen cricketers picked to make up the australian team he received a cablegram from his father congratulating him and this gave him more pleasure than anything else as usual there was some grumbling about the composition of the team but no one had anything to say about edgar foster's inclusion we have to go home in the Cooska, said edgar to will brown so you had better book your passage you bet said will and who do you think is going home for a trip with us don't know, said Edgar. I wish we could take Yaka. He would create a sensation there. Yaka is far happier camping out at Yander, said Will. Ben Brody is going home with us. He says he has never had a holiday since he was a lad over 40 years ago. And he thinks it is about time he took one now. I am glad, said Edgar. Ben Brody is a real good sort. He's a rough diamond, but I like him better than if he were polished. The hands on Yander were in high glee about Ben leaving them for a time. I fancied the mutton diet would be knocked off, but Ben said he should leave strict injunctions behind about that. The time passed quickly, and the morning that Kuzco was to leave Circular Quay, a large crowd of people assembled to see the New South Wales members of the team leave for London. There was so much handshaking and so many parting goodbyes that Edgar felt sure some of them would be left behind, while Jessop and his wife brought Ava down to see Edgar off, and the child did not like to see him leave her in the big steamer i will come back for you ava said edgar i promise you i will come back be a good girl while i am away and i will bring you back the best doll i can find in london brown hair and blue eyes said ava yes said edgar it shall have bonny blue eyes and bright brown hair like yours ava he took her in his arms and kissed her over and over again and then handed her to mrs jessop just as the gangway was about to be raised they saw a tall figure flying up it with long strides it was ben brodie you nearly missed us (laughs) said edgar laughing where have you been i thought i saw you on board some time back so i was said ben gasping for breath but i left my backer behind in a box at the hotel and i'd sooner have gone back to yander than been on board without my usual brand the Cuzco had now cast off and as she left the wharf edgar singled out ava hoisted high on Wal jessop's shoulder and waved her a hearty farewell End of chapter 22, read by Ryan Jacob.